Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Well, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen posts on Tumblr, joined with Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I am at the Chikrin on Twitter. Eon. Hey, this is Eon. I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. And Kama. Hi, this is Kama, and I am at the hyphen real hyphen. Oh, God, what is it? <laughs> Does it matter? The hyphen real hyphen Kama Splice on Tumblr. Uh, Sorry, Kama. The real fans sorted. will find you. <laughs> Clearly, I'm there a lot. And, um, <laughs> oh, well, it is with great enthusiasm that we return to our readings of the Tyrion <laughs> chapters. We are covering Tyrion 1 from A Storm of Swords. Um, spoilers for all things, books and show. And also a trigger warning um, for potential rape discussion. And I didn't do a recap from where we left off. Probably would have been a good idea, but it's fair to say it's after the Blackwater. Is that enough of a recap? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So we have Tyrion, and he awakes from his uh, fever dreams, and he's paranoid by a presence in his room. It's a newly dubbed knight, Sir Bronn, who makes note that it was Lord Tywin Lannister who um, commanded his knighting. And Tyrion doesn't really like that. Bronn fills Tyrion in on some of the other details um, that has happened since the Blackwater. We've learned that the Hound has taken his leave of King's Landing. Sir Jacelyn is dead and Adam Marbrand now commands the Gold Cloaks. Um, Shaga now lives in the Kingswood. Timit uh, led the burned men home and Chella and the Black Ears were given a proper King's Landing farewell by having shit thrown at them at the gates of the city. God, God. So, the unfairness of it all, right? That's pretty much the theme of this chapter. So bitter. And some of it is totally justified, and some of it is like, dude, think about somebody else besides yourself for a second. I mean, I get it to an extent, because, like, so much of what he did accomplish is being, like, quite literally undone. (laughs) And, And I'm sympathetic with a lot of that, but at the same time, it's like... You know, some of this, it's its like he is so bitter that his father has taken his position, except it was the father's position to begin with. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think, I don't know, I, I some of the things that I pulled out of here, too, this, like, section was um some of the imagery i thought was really nice i know it's bitter bitter thoughts of Tyrion's, but i liked like when he was talking about how he felt like the claws had been ripped out of him one by one while he was in his sleep and then Mm. um (laughs) the comment he said what he said cersei treats him like a mushroom keeping him in the dark and feeding him (laughs) shit i was like that's good (laughs) i think that quote actually made that remember when george released that book a few years ago like that was like Tyrion quotes do you yeah. guys remember that? I remember I think, that, yeah. The yeah, wit and wisdom of Tyrion Lannister. Yeah. yeah, that one. I, I never read it, but I, I liked Me it. Me neither. I, I just saw it. the creatives going around Tumblr that people did, you know, for it. 
<laughs> so let's see. Tyrion asks about Alayaya, whom Cersei um, promised to free. We find out the poor girl was publicly whipped. And then Tyrion recalls how he had promised um, to do to Tommen whatever was done to her. And uh, he's a bit relieved to learn Tommen is back with Cersei. Um, but then, like, I had a question, and I know, like, at, by the end of it, it kind of casts doubt on what this question was going to be anyway. But um, do you think he would have done something to Tommen if he had the no. opportunity? No. No. I don't think he could do that to Tommen. No, I know he couldn't. I mean, it's like I'll say a lot of shit about Tyrion, but no, he clearly was not going to do anything to Tommen. He loves Tommen. Then why was he relieved? Just because he didn't have to deal with the... Because then he didn't have to be called on it. Right. You know, it's like he, he, he wasn't being called on, you know, bluffing it, basically. Yeah. I think it's like Jamie and the trebuchet. Yeah. If you're going to make a threat like that, people have to believe that Field you're going to go through with that. And I, I think... Well, Cersei clearly believed he was going to go through through with it, but I mean, other people have to too. And I think he's like, I mean, before Bronn disabuses him that there's there's it's really not going to be an issue. Um, I think Tyrion is realizing that you know, you know, he made that threat, and if you well, don't and- go through with it, then you got to find a way to get out of it with and save face. I don't know. Yeah, well, and especially in the position that he's in now, where almost all he has left is his little scrap of reputation that remains. You know, like, so much of the little, you know, bit of power that he'd amassed for himself is is just quite literally gone when he wakes up here. So you kind of understand why he's like, oh, this is one more thing that at least I don't have to... Basically, he was given an out from having to, mm-hmm. To go know, through with that. Yeah. To, to, that he was bluffing. Yeah, I'm not going to argue. I kind of, I agree too. I think that's what it was. So let's see. Uh, Tywin, um, sorry, Tyrion also asks Bronn about Renly's ghost. And Bronn tells him how most of Stannis' men turned at the sight of the shining green armor. Stannis escaped on a galley that was kept out in the bay beyond the chain. <laughs> nice little explanation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we have other info too Um, Bronn Stark is still on the warpath making his way down to Duskendale Randall Tarly is being sent out to meet him and Bronn is contemplating going Tyrion is adamant that he stay with him and promises him more gold he wants to know more of Mandon more Um, Tyrion asks Bronn if Marjorie Tyrell is in King's Landing yet and then Bronn tells Tyrion not yet but her food is and he says you know (laughs) the people are mad in love with her Um, (laughs) I just like it's really remarkable how Olana and the Tyrells because it's really Olana who you know contrived all this they're they're on it man they're on their game they're like winning they're the war for the hearts and mind of the people totally in the Tyrells palms Nobody yeah. else is playing the game, like thinking well, of that I angle. Mean, none of the Lannisters really know how to play this game. Let's be really, really frank. Yeah, <laughs> this, yeah. This is their biggest weak point: is PR. They're terrible at it. And um, yeah, the Tyrells are are definitely ready to step into that breach. At least I kind of love that they're laying the groundwork for, you know, what's going to go on later in this chapter. I mean, there's a lot of talk about the Joffrey and Marge wedding and. Her winning over the small folk, you kind of have to love it. 
Yeah, I do. <laughs> I love how bitter Tyrion is, though. Everything is like, that was my idea, damn it. <laughs> Even with his uh, exchange that'll come later with Tywin, he was like, was or churlish? How churlish it would seem. <laughs> it was my idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, Tyrion has had enough of his sickbed. His legs are weak and his wounds raw, but he manages to get dressed with the help of Bronn and Pod. Um, there's this little moment where they're kind of making their way out of the room and a serving girl meets them um, and her eyes grow wide at the sight of Tyrion and he says to her the dwarf has, or he thinks uh, the dwarf has risen from the dead and look he's uglier than ever run tell your friends oh, <laughs> I mean this is you know like we talk so much about the differences between you know book and show Tyrion but in many ways, this is when, like, you know, what had been, like, fractures of, of, of departures from Book Tyrion just became, like, you know, canyons of departure. Because when they didn't add the facial scar on the show, which I understand completely why they didn't yeah. do it. But, I mean, this this is just kind of, like, the final nail in the coffin between Tyrion and, like, the general public, basically. It's just, like, it's clear he's never going to be able to be, you know to have an easy time communicating with other people once he has this, this scar on his face. Mm. And it's kind of, it is a little tough seeing him kind of come to that realization considering, you know, how much disability he's already lived with. Why, why am I suddenly feeling more sympathy for Tyrion now that we're starting? <laughs> on the sword? I don't, don't know, worry. but I am a little, I, I sort of read ahead. It's going to go away. Okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not there yet. I, I, I can get the sympathy. Um, so makers hold fast. I, um, Tyrion has to swallow his pride a bit and ask Bronn to carry him up the stairs. Um, the place is littered with tents, he notes, and it's the Tyrells and their men who have taken every room and set up camp um, for the in preparation for the wedding of uh, Joffrey and Marjorie. The Tower of the Hand is guarded by Lannister house guards. Um, they let Tyrion through on sight. Sir Adam Marbrand is there, and uh, Tyrion congratulates him on his appointment to commander of the City Watch. Sir Adam tells Ty Tyrion that he has 4,400 guards remaining and isn't sure how to pay them. Cersei won't let him dismiss any. And then they talk a bit I mean, more. Can oh, we talk about yeah. this for a second? Yes. That yeah. seems like that does seem like an absolutely absurd amount of city watch. Doesn't yeah, it? Absolutely. It I mean, like I'm thinking of even like a modern city having like that many police officers or something. And like, that sounds like a lot. That sounds like that would have to be a very big area. Well, it is wartime. Um, I mean, you want to try to keep as many as you can, but I think... Yeah, but they've got the armies there. I mean, well, Tywin's there with his whole army, and so are the Tyrells. And, and I mean, Adam Marbrand isn't just some schlub who, you know, just got his first gig. I mean, he's been around. It's not like he has no idea what the hell he's doing. And if he thinks, you know, if, if he would have let some of these guys go, you got to think that... You know, he knows better than Cersei. Yeah. There's some experience speaking there. Well, I think yeah, it, I mean, really, I, I don't know why I'm astounded that Cersei would be making a really poor management choice here, but it does seem like a really poor one. Yeah, I think it's the beginning of many, right? I mean, <laughs> Tyrion makes note it's, you know, her holding on to them. So it's definitely her paranoia. Just oh, yeah. A glimpse of what's to come. <laughs> 
let's see. Oh, well, they talk a bit more about Tyrick Lannister, who remains missing. And Bronn's like, forget him, he's dead. And Sir Adam looks at Bronn with distaste and answers, Lord Tywin is stubborn where his blood is concerned. You know, I, I gotta say, I've been noticing more on this reread just how much they do kind of stick on the Tyrick yeah. Lannister stuff. Yeah. Is he gonna come back for real? Because I'm beginning to, I used to think, oh, this is just one of George's, oh, like the real world people disappear and you never know but i'm like george doesn't need to hit this point as much as he does if he's never going to come back i really and got the distinct feeling that there's lot. more yeah there's more i don't know what but there's more with yeah. this guy <laughs> it's like i want to go dig up some of the conspiracy theories again that i just kind of dismissed out of hand before yeah no i i've kind of like i kind of I had put this down to, like, you know, fandom stupidity or something. And now, not fandom stupidity, but, you know, like the tinfoil yeah. hat. And yeah. now I'm like, no, it's in there. And it's in there a lot. Yeah, it's been a lot. And, I mean, more so than, I mean, it's understandable. Like, that is, that's Tywin's nephew. That's Jamie's, co- I mean, Jamie and Tyrion's cousin. But it's, like, in there. Yeah, well, it's just not that necessary. If, if you weren't going to bring him back, you'd just say, oh, they just they were afraid they'd never hear from him again, and then you'd just never or he's probably like, talk about it would be mentioned, again. but it's, it's like in there to a point that I have to wonder if there's a plan or something that, yeah. you know. I feel the Maybe same. Yeah, We have not heard the last of Tyrek Lannister, <laughs> me thinks. Well, we may have, but... <laughs> So let's see, uh, Tyrion manages his way into the solar, and he manages on his own two feet with little help, with a little help from Pod. Inside is Lord um, Tywin writing a letter by oil lamp. Tyrion dismisses Bronn and Pod, and then the room seems to get pretty chilly. And Tyrion tells his father, that's a handsome chain. He also makes comment of his terrible room. Tywin tells him the Red Keep is at capacity. <laughs> the date of the wedding has been set for the first day of the new century, and Tyrion wants to know if he's or sorry, Tywin wants to know if he's come all this way just to complain about his bedchambers and that he has, you know, important letters to finish. They discuss the dismissal of Maester Bolabar, his lack of family visits while dying, and his foolishness in the battle. Tyrion does um, not accuse Cersei, knowing that his father wouldn't likely listen to him without evidence. And then he does mention Sir Mandon um, as being the one who attacked him. And my question is, why wouldn't that have been enough for Tywin? I mean, you know, to have a... I have a thing with, with, with basically Tyrion, like, tattling on Cersei. Like, it seems like any time he has an opportunity to kind of, you know, go to someone else about something Cersei has done, he's hesitant. And it kind of seems like somebody who's gone up against Cersei with stuff like this and lost in the past yeah you know like he he has told on the things that she did and she's crafty enough to you know turn it around on him somehow and yeah I I wonder if there is a a, a certain amount of that the yeah whole, it's it smacks of yeah as somebody with siblings it or a sibling it, it yeah. totally smacks of Somebody who's self-aware enough to know, oh, this is just not going to go down the way I want it to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, though. Like, to have, like, a king's guard attack, you know, one of his sons trying to murder him, I think, to me, that would be enough to... Well, maybe we should look into this one a little more. Don't I you? don't think it's... 
the king. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't I, think I, it's, ju- I just think it's, it's going to be like, that, like Tywin would just be like, "Oh, you misremembered. It was, you know, the heat of battle." Right. You know, he has oh. no proof. And you can't say pod because he'll just dismiss pod. No. I think it would be one thing to like go down the road of if you're going to accuse somebody of having engineered it, which is what we're talking about here, that he would be. Well, even the leaf Cersei out of it, even if he said, so yeah, one of the white cloaks tried to cut my skull in half. To me, that'd be like, why would he do that? (laughs) You know, (laughs) let him draw his own conclusions. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I just you can just tell and I think he's probably right that Terry knows that Tywin just would not believe it. Yeah. Hmm. There's just clearly too much family baggage there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think like anything Tywin would be like, "Okay, well, who would have ordered him to do that?" you know? And mm-hmm. it's like either it's Joffrey and well, so what? There's nothing any of us can do about that or it's Cersei and Tywin probably just wouldn't believe him. Or would believe him, but is unwilling to do anything about it. Or that. Let's see. Uh, Tywin tells Tyrion he looks pale and should say what he wants, then head back to bed. Tyrion asks about Littlefinger and Harrenhal. Tywin tells him that he deserves the title for securing the Tyrell marriage. Again, um, Tywin asks, what do you want? Land, castle, some office? And uh, Tyrion's response is a little bloody gratitude. Uh, Tywin belittles Tyrion's contributions, crediting himself with the attack on Stannis. His flank is, you know, helping to win the day. Uh, he also credits some of several of his bannermen and Cersei for ordering the wildfire production. Uh, Tywin gives him some credit for the Martell alliance, but is annoyed that Sir Gregor was thrown into the mix. Um, Tyrion responds that there are plenty of beasts in the woods and alleyways, and then Tywin says he'll think on it. Tyrion finally takes his leave, but before he does, he says, and I selected a little something, You have important letters, yes. Tyrion rose on unsteady legs, closed his eyes for an instant as a wave of dizziness washed over him, and took a shaky step toward the door. Later, he would reflect that he should have taken a second and then a third. Instead, he turned. What do I want, you ask? I'll tell you what I want. I want what is mine by rights i want casterly rock his father's mouth grew hard your brother's birthright the knights of the king's guard are forbidden to marry father children and to hold land and you know that as well as i the day jamie put on that white cloak he gave up his claim to casterly rock but never once have you acknowledged it it's past time i want you to stand up before the realm and proclaim that i am your son and your lawful heir Lord Tywin's eyes were a pale green flecked with gold, as luminous as they were merciless. Casterly rock, he declared in a flat, dead tone, and then never. The word hung between them, huge, sharp, poisoned. Hmm. So, what's the timeline? Does Tywin already know that Jamie's been released? I don't think so. Does he? I don't know. It's just... I remember, like, an earlier Tyrion chapter when Tyrion was talking to Tywin and he realized that Tywin had given Jamie up for dead. Mm-hmm. I don't... And, like... He doesn't know, I don't think. I don't think... Because he's writing... He like, doesn't? His letters are, I'm assuming, to Ramsay now, are they not? The ones that he's not writing? Not Ramsay, Roos. Sorry, Roos. Roos, sorry. 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm that's I'm legitimately asking. I don't know what the timelines are. Part of it's just the way that that Tywin's talking though. Like, there's no question that Jamie's still his heir. I was like, I wonder if he knows that Jamie's already been released. <sighs> not that it would affect whether or not he would give Casterly Rock to Tyrion. Obviously, it wouldn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. hmm. I mean, you know, this is also. I guess we should address the fact that this is the passage that has launched a thousand theories about who um, Tyrion's father is. Oh, God. Am I going to start that again? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't not start it. This is where it is. Yeah. I, I just... I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> I mean, I get hating it. I get hating it. It's just... I, I don't know. There's probably something to it. We'll see. If we... I mean, no, we won't. Why am I, I saying we'll see? We'll never see. I know. I don't know where you're... <laughs> where you're convinced this book is coming from, but. Yeah. And you're trying to jump in. Well, I was just thinking, I mean, a little bit, if we go a little bit backwards to what Chicky was saying, though, if Tywin believed that Jamie was dead, do you even think that he would give Casterly Rock to Tyrion or would he give it to like his, maybe Kevin? Someone else. He'd give it to Tommen or something. Yeah. yeah, he'd give it to anybody before. Yeah, never. Tyrion. He says never. So yeah, yeah never. It's, it's no, it's clearly fun, never going to be Tyrion. It's just the way that he's like, oh, this is Jamie's birthright again. When like before this point, Tyrion had had come to the conclusion that Tywin had given you know Jamie up for lost. That I don't know. Anyway, yeah, no. I so, mean. <sighs> It's tough. Like, I, I feel bad for Tyrion, but it, it is kind of off-putting the way that he's just constantly so much just like, give me credit, give me credit, give me credit. <laughs> this is, but see, this is, this is actually, I mean, like, he's smart enough to know not to go down a certain road. This is like what happens in my family dynamic. Like, you know, okay, that ain't going to play. So we're not going to blame Cersei because if I do that, dad's clearly not going <laughs> to buy and then, even though he knows better, he knows better, he pushes the Casterly Rock thing. I think, could it be just he wanted to provoke a emotional response out of his father? Like, he's dealing but again, with this cold, you, hard bastard. Like, it's you, just you part know, of him just I wants mean, to needle him, right? You've been in this position, I know, you, I know we all have, where you know <laughs> you shouldn't go there. But you, you decide in the heat of the moment... That you're going to go there. And, of course, it does not play out as well as you think it's going to play out. <laughs> um, and then afterwards, you kick yourself going, oh, my God, what the hell was I smoking? Why didn't you stop me? And I, <sighs> how, you know, how is this going to be, like, seriously, a Taiwan's a lot. I mean, like, wouldn't you be smarter to say, okay, you know, I'm not going to bring this up now, but when he's dead, you know, that's when I'll fight for it or whatever. <laughs> that probably would have been the better choice. I mean, I, I get I get why Tyrion's so pissed off. I get why it's so raw for him that he wants to have something to kind of like scream at Tywin about. I mean, like Tywin's taken everything from him that he's, you know, put together for himself. And then also just the fact that he was clearly pretty almost mortally wounded. And, you know, like nobody in his family gave a damn. Yeah, you know? that, that's like, got a sting. 
I mean, I would hurt anybody to like wake yeah. up and like imagine waking up in the hospital and like none of your fucking family. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, well, stuck no, he around, claimed, like, well, not stuck around. He claims they did show up once. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. Cersei, well, he never but... saw. <laughs> well, I mean, would you want her there? I mean, especially well, no, if she's but, the one you know, who had like, just... it still would be like you know it wouldn't matter how bad your relationship was with your family i think it would still no, be like, yeah you're right i mean and ugh. i think it's it's i find it amusing that tywin's like well yes i did go when i thought you were gonna die i mean yeah <laughs> hmm. all these people well maybe this will drum up some sympathy for Tyrion. so when he asks why Tywin response, you ask that? You? You killed your mother to come into this world? You are an ill-made, devious, disobedient, spiteful little creature full of envy, lust, and low cunning. Men's laws give you the right to bear my name and display my colors, since I cannot prove that you are not mine. To teach me humility, the gods have condemned me to watch you waddle about wearing your, that proud lion that was my father's sigil and his father's before him. But neither gods nor men shall ever compel me to let you turn Casterly Rock into your whorehouse. A little bit, just a smidgen. <laughs> oh, God. I love that Tywin's acting like, first of all, like his father had done the Lannister name right. so much. Any kind like, of credit. <laughs> yeah, no. That's some revisionist history right there. <laughs> for real, for real. <laughs> yeah. But it's, oh, God, the family dynamics here are so rich. Yeah, oh, they really are. So, I mean, especially when you think about the fact that eventually Tyrion's going to find Shay in, in Tywin's bed. bed. <laughs> like, yeah whole thing is just like oh god oh it's just such a mess <laughs> it really is so it dawns on Tyrion that it was Tywin who ordered the whipping of Alyaya Tyrion tells him um, to deny he made threats or sorry Tywin tells Tyrion to deny that he made threats against his grandsons Tyrion claims it was only to keep the kettle blacks from hurting her Tywin don't get that logic. <laughs> Tyrion asks him how he could how he could even think he would harm Tommen his own blood and Tywin responds, "So is your mother. Go back to your bed. You'll get a reward appropriate to your station." Tells him the next whore that he finds in his bed, he'll hang. And everybody, <sighs> may I present Father of the Year, Tywin Lannister. Wow. Oh gosh. <laughs> Jesus, this guy. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Yeah. He's... I mean, honestly, it's a wonder that his children function as well as they do. <sighs> Any parting shots for uh, oh, this chapter? Uh, I, mean, I mean, I do. I do feel a little, a little sympathy for Tyrion again. So, so I'll just share that for now, and then whenever he kills it later on, we'll talk about that. Okay. Then. Okay. I think it's fair to have some sympathy for him in this chapter. Shades of gray, everybody. Shades of gray. No, <laughs> right. no. For real. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I was actually pleasantly surprised that I didn't hate him quite as much in this chapter. Because I had reached a point where I'm like, oh, God, he just goes on. It never gets any better. This is only the beginning. <laughs> Well, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to get worse before. I mean, it'll, we'll have this little, oh, he's really not that bad a guy. And then pretty soon we're going to be like, you fucking misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah. All right. Well, 
I think that'll do it for the chapter discussion. Do we have any mail? Yes, um, Kama found um, an email for me from from Shelby. It's a three-parter, okay? So it says, hey guys, I just thought I'd resend this question since you guys didn't have time to answer it before. First one, it says, I wanted to ask you guys how you felt about the line in A Feast for Crows where Jamie thinks that he would have killed Tyrion if Tyrion told him he was going to kill Tywin. He basically says, if I'd known he planned to kill Father, I would have stopped him, and that I would be the king, be the kinslayer, not him. Is he saying that he would have killed Tyrion to protect Tywin, or that he would have killed Tyrion because he would rather Tyrion be dead than have the cursed title of a kinslayer? Is he saying that he would have taken the burden of being a curse, a cursed kinslayer so that his brother wouldn't have, have to? I really hope it's the latter, even though it's really sad. But Jamie loves Tyrion far more than he could ever love Tywin, so surely it has to be that. That he's being protective of Tyrion in a weird way, since being a kinslayer is the worst thing you could be in Westeros besides someone who breaks guest right. Uh, I mean, like, I don't... Jamie says shit. Let's just put it that way. This is in his own head. I mean, like, he, he can say all he wants mm-hmm. that he would have killed Tyrion if he'd known Tyrion was going to kill Tywin, but I'd like to see it happen. Like, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think he could kill Tyrion. I had the same sentiment about that. I just feel like, you know, in, in your head, oh, man, if I was there, I totally would have. And, you know, that's, yeah. that's what's happening here. I don't, in the, the reality yeah. of a situation playing out, you're not going to do the thing that you thought you were going to do. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you just watched Jamie throughout Feast, and he, he just gradually softens more and more toward Tyrion. He's really mad at Tyrion right at the beginning, understandably, in, in some sense. I mean, I get it. But you watch as Feast goes on, and he, the, the anger just softens and softens. And by the end, you can tell Jamie just misses Tyrion. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, you yeah. know, no, I don't think you would ever kill him. Yeah. All right, next one. Um, since this email is about Tyrion and Jamie, did you guys think it was so cute when Jamie kissed Tyrion's scar? I go, aww, every single time I read it. And then I become depressed because I know what happens next. Maybe I'm overreacting to it, but it's just so precious to me. We're constantly told how hideous the scar is, how disgusting and monstrous it makes Tyrion look. And Jamie didn't care. He kissed it anyway because Tyrion is his little bro and he loves him. It's just, uh, I'm a sucker for protective big bro, little bro moments. Is it too stingy just to wish we get a hug too since George R. R. Martin was just a few paragraphs away from breaking them up? Hmm. I can't, you know, I have two brothers. I can't imagine either of them kissing each other in any situation. Right. <laughs> yeah, no. like, I can't even picture this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I don't know. I mean, it's, a diff- it's a fantasy world. Maybe they, that's normal. I don't but, know. I mean, this is exactly what was missing in this last <laughs> chapter. I mean, this is why you do feel bad for Terry. And he needed a Jamie there to mm. just be like, you know, hey, I'm glad you're alive. You know, I don't care yeah. what you look like was really what he needed and he didn't have it so i mean like, I awesome, glad to have job. The moment. awesome job with that chain bro you know? uh, yeah. <laughs> okay um third one why do you think george didn't give us more scenes with those two before everything went to hell they think about each other all the time 
which is sweet, but more conversations in real time would have been better. I swear I could read an entire book of them just bullshitting with each other. Because I yeah, think cause... the books are 5,000 pages too long, and I think <laughs> even Martin at a certain point has to go, you know, this would be great, but I don't have room. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's just like the Happy Days montage has got to be short, you know. I mean, like the reason the reason you're reading fiction is for drama and tension, and the happy stuff can't last very long. And um, it just ends with, anyways. I'll stop here before I think of ten million more questions. Keep being awesome. P.S. If Jamie actually does call Kyle, Kyle cunt and Cannon, will you feel vindicated? Yes. Who said yes. that, Guile? I think she originally came up with that. He's going to call the Guile gun. And, um, open. Yeah. She also says, I love you guys more than the show. Jamie loves being out of character. Uh, <laughs> so. Oh, that was nice. Uh, Thank you, Shelby. Thank you. Thank you, Shelby. Shelby. <laughs> and that's it for this week, right? That's it. Okay. Send us some mail, guys. You can do that at close the door and at gmail.com or you can reach us at close the door and come here.tumblr.com. You can follow us on Twitter at door podcast. Consider being a patron of this podcast and uh, look us up on Patreon. Also, consider liking, subscribing, and reviewing us in all the places that you listen. Um, and that's going to do it for us. Thanks for podcasting, everybody. Uh, I'm closing the door. Get out.